0: Hey, 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 hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Life, the podcast that helps you fix your Catholic marriage by also giving you winning tactics for marriage problems, girlfriend problems, and intimacy problems for men. But moreover, well, my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court and Where marriage unchained, the art of one flesh, divorce, combat coaching is the flavor of the day. We're also helping men understand marriage and courting, not dating, in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting just plain is for marriage. In this 178th episode, our monthly questions on Christianity segment with my man, David L. Gray. Plus, live phone calls from you. Plus, remember to give back and help other marriages by sharing this podcast. And if you are getting value, give it a big thumbs up. So, don't wait. Get net cue for some resolution to your marriage confusion. And as we always do, we start out with a quote of the day. So, quote, Atheism is not the knowledge that God does not exist, but only the wish that he did not. In order that one could sin without, repro- without reproach or exalt one's ego without challenge, the pillars upon which atheism mounts Are sensuality and pride. End quote Archbishop Fooden J. Sheen. Bam. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me to help you in yours. Get live Catholic marriage help Tuesday through Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern for some resolution to your marriage confused. Okay, so today's guest is David L. Gray of St. Dominic's Media. He is the president and publisher and of DavidLgray.info. David is also the author of the Catholic Catechism on Freemasonry and on Dead Arrival, the Seven Fatal Errors of Solo Scriptura, to name a few. He is also a Catholic theologian and historian. And today I and David continue with our monthly series on learning the faith called Questions on Christianity, the Catholic Faith Explained. In this monthly series, we will discuss the faith in its complete fullness and begin learning what Christ intended for us and his church. And as always, we will take your calls as well. So get in that cue, Gentlemen, we must begin to realize that as husbands and fathers, we can no longer be ignorant to God and what he is asking of us. This is the only way to expose Satan in our homes and confront him and defend against him. You are not a normal man anymore. You are a Christian soldier. And now it's time to get on board to what that actually means. Learn your faith in order to protect, defend, and serve your home. And after the break, we will get right on board with my man, David. If you're getting value from this podcast and would like more personal marriage help, visit com for an opportunity to work with me personally for free. Yes, within 30 days, learn how to become a better husband that attracts your wife back to you. Visit Save My Catholic Marriage.com and get a plan tailored specific to your marriage and situation. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me the chance to help you using my personal and gained experience. Visit Save My Catholic Marriage.com for superior coaching for your marriage. Again, Save My Catholic Marriage.com. That's Save All right. All right. So, as promised, man, look at me. I'm all short. David's like 10,000 inches taller than me. <laughs> Ooh, there we go. That looks better. So, as promised, y'all, I wanted to bring my man on, and we're going to talk today about some faith. Get us ed- Uh, And so, uh, Dave, how, you, how you, Oh, I can't call you Dave. I'm sorry. I mean, David, how are things <laughs> going over there at St. Dominic's Media, man? Everything's doing great. It's exciting time. We're about to
1: roll into Advent season and into Christmas. So, um, yeah, doing doing what we do, you know, publishing books, publishing media, and then trying to inspire people to do the right thing, to make the right choices, to get to heaven.
0: Man, my wife and I and one of my other guys that comes on the show, uh, uh, Steve Pagorni says, "Both my wife says, when are you going to write a book? When you got like 25 books in you. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. I, it's like it just—it seems like it takes so, so much time. But you know what? I got my main man Dave, and he can show me how to do it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, man. It's just, you know, just really, just a, a chapter a day, a, a page a day, will, will, will eventually really get the book
0: done, man. So, basically, all the things are really every everything's a ro- It's already wrote out in scripts. Oh. All I got to do is really. Just give it to somebody or figure out how to arrange it, I guess, or the editor, I guess. Okay, so you need more
1: editing than writing, okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. so I know, but you know, I'll get with you, man, because I think you can probably help me a lot since you got like 30 books already, so. All right, brother, so look, let's get serious and get down to what's going on in the Catholic world, in the Christian world. Um, Man, I got to start out with the first the, this question cuz man when my wife told me cuz see i'm in, i don't really watch the news and stuff i mm-hmm. don't and so you uh church militant you know my and my wife my wife tells me what goes on with y'all with the the news things and then i start crying or whatever i do cuz i'm like man that's so sad man and so she told me last week Earlier this week or last week, I think it was last week, they fired, uh, Pope Francis fired my man Bishop Strickland in Tyler, Texas. That's the bishop from the bishop. I I don't think that's happened in how long? A long time. And I know you didn't cover some stuff, didn't check it out. So what's going on, man?
1: Yes. So (laughs) it's kind of strange that Bishop Strickland took the positions that he did. By speaking quite publicly against some Pope Francis initiatives, because mm. it had been Pope Francis' track record that whenever Bishop does this, he did it with Bishop in Puerto Rico not long ago. I think his name was Fernandez. He spoke out about he wasn't on board with Pope Francis's whole vaccine thing, you know, that oh, you guys really gotta take this vaccine, it's moral imperative and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so this bishop in Puerto Rico spoke out against that. And next thing you know, you know he, he's canned. Um, you know He's sidelined other cardinals and bishops such as um, Burke um, and, and others as well. There's a, a bishop right now in France who's quite traditional who he's he didn't remove, but he pretty much made a, a lame duck. So this has been Pope Francis track record that. And I think a lot of people, Jerry, understand this side of Pope Francis, that you've been in charge of businesses. You've you've been managers. You've been a lot of people who've been in this position of leadership and management who've been in charge of companies. If you had an employee who went around talking trash about you, whether it's true or not, but went around talking trash about you and undermining other people's faith in you, especially your coworkers. You're going to fire that person. I would, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if they don't seem to want to at least meet with me um, to really work things out. And so, I'm not surprised. I would, you know, I would have fired (laughs) Strickland myself. And this isn't a defense of Pope Francis. I think Pope Mm -hmm. Francis is probably the worst pope in the history of the Catholic Church. (laughs) But, (laughs) but. I get it. I want to fire. I want to fire strictly. He, he said so he said some very reckless things about Pope Francis that us traditional Catholics. He was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's true. But as soon as he starts saying those things, such as Pope Francis undermining the, the doctrine, Pope Francis doing this with the Senate, and you know um, Pope um, Benedict is one who pointed me. I got my mandate from him, and a bunch of other stuff he said. I knew his days were numbered. You just don't let a person like that just. Talk trash and set up his own papacy in a little city of Tyler, Texas. So he got what was coming to him. Um, so he, as, as an adult male as old as him, he should have known to 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 do his job as shepherd and bishop the best that he can within the construct of who the of what
0: he has. has. Yeah. yeah,
1: and he could he could still he could still been bishop, but you know he wanted to he wanted to do the maverick rebel thing. And now we don't. We now we don't. Now we're we're out of a good another bishop. And see, in Iowa, Texas. and
0: man, that's what's hurting me, man. It's like we've got we have so very few mm-hmm. bishops and priests that love that truly love Christ. That which the love of Christ means only one thing: obedience, um, yeah. and to his doctrine, dogma, and discipline, and all that. That's 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 the that's the only true love of God. Nothing else. Yep. And we only had very few of those cardinals and bishops and priests. And now to me, that hurts me so bad is that now we got one less. Cardinal yeah. Burke's getting old. I mean, he he he's kind of been silenced too. And yep. he won't even he wouldn't even meet with him. I mean, you'll meet with Whoopi. My wife told me he met with Whoopi Goldberg. I couldn't believe it. Oh. I was like, Oh how, yeah. How yeah. do you meet with Whoopi Goldberg and not meet yeah. with Cardinal Burke? Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg, um, Bill Clinton, George Soros' son, um, Bill Gates—just all uh, you know—he meets with everyone who's you know not 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 has Catholics' best interests at in heart. People who are just opposed to the Catholic faith, people who are just flat-out devils. He'll he'll meet with them. And the thing about Pope Francis, that you know he is Pope, whatever you know, we, we accept that he is Pope. But the amazing thing about you meet with Pope Francis. It's not like meeting with Jesus. You know, you meet with Pope Francis. Whoopi didn't leave that meeting with Pope Francis, a changed woman. She didn't have a chaos moment. She didn't realize that she had to turn her life around. No exactly. one does. No one meets with Pope Francis and leaves different. And, and so uh, I really don't understand. I really don't understand the, the point. But, you know, this what, is what we have for now. And, and, and by the grace of God, you and I, we are born at such a time as this. And so there, there's a work we have to do. A lot in, of in work. In of the Pope that we have.
0: And and like with me, like, let's just take me, for instance, like when I first started my podcast, if you listen to my first 2025 podcast, you know, I'm dogging out the church. Not really dogging out the church, but I'm I'm like talking about a lot of things in the church and how it's wrong. It needs to be changed, all that stuff. And it, it man, if that's how easily you get off your mission. And I talked to my wife and I said, babe, like the homosexual thing, is the same thing. Unless somebody directly asks me about the homosexual thing, I don't really go to, I don't want to get into it. I'll mm-hmm. tell the truth and get in, you know, but, but somebody has to ask me about it. But the homosexual thing, the, the church, the the stuff in the church, uh, going against the Pope and, and, and getting into the political stuff and all that stuff, yeah. that stuff was getting me off my mission. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. mission is marriage. Uh-huh. And trying to get men to 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 save their families and to get to evangelize their families first yeah. and to get that going and sometimes which I know this has happened to you it happens to all of us in the in the in the kind of media sub media world it's like uh-huh. we see these things in the faith and we love God so much we feel we got to speak out but the best uh-huh. I found the best way that we can fight this man is to stay on point with our stuff. Man, you, you nailed it.
1: Go ahead. You, you nailed you nailed it, Jerry. I mean that that's it. That's what one thing I've I've kind of realized, and why I really slowed down the David L. Gray show, the part that that podcast aspect of what I was doing, mm-hmm. was because I looked around the Catholic social media space, Jerry, and there wasn't a whole lot of people like you that was making a lot of the um the people who were getting the most traffic, people who were getting the most clickbait were the people who were causing the most trouble. And I found the Catholic media, social media space to be one of the most narcissistic, self-absorbed, just really not offering anything to help people get to heaven, to help them heal their souls and to be saints. It's just a bunch of this reaction stuff, a bunch of fear mongering, a bunch of, you know, making people be scared of this. You gotta be worried about that. Oh, you know, worrying about what another man doing, you know, oh, this is what Pope Francis is doing. This is everything bad that he's doing. Oh, this is what, you know, this guy is doing over here. And none of that whatsoever, none of that affects our call from baptism to be holy. None of yes. that. Nothing that's going, none of the, no, it's just, so, so I'm, I'm really finding, you know, blessings in people like you, Jerry, that's really focused on what God has called you to be. You can't tell me that some of these social media, Catholic social media people that God has called them to stir um, uh, fear mongering and, and all this stuff that has nothing to do with people's salvation, just a bunch of, it's really just a bunch of noise in the Catholic social media space. So we we need more apostles like yours that's really trying to heal people, really trying to lead people and, and really give them the tools to get to heaven, especially marriage. We're talking about, you know, sacrament of marriage that makes two, that's the only sacrament that we have. Where um, God takes two things and makes them one thing. This is this this (laughs) this this is this is powerful. And so there's so many Mm -hmm. unique aspects about the sacrament of marriage that. And so we we have a a, you know we're blessed by apostles like yours to just focus on doing that instead of making all this noise out here that's not helpful.
0: And another thing, don't get me and you wrong. There are people out there that that's their job. Like it's it's church militants' job to go out, they're a news agency, uh Catholic news agency, me uh there are, there are a lot of like my wife watches a lot of them. Like uh, uh they go out and it's their job, they're a news agency, or uh, they're a Catholic news agency. It's their job to go out and, and give us up the, and report. That's what yeah. they do. That's different. I don't I'm not talking about that. I don't think you're talking about that. No, We're no. talking about everybody else. <laughs>
1: You know, know, really, these these commenters out here, these people, these hacks with these, you know, that that really has, you know, just, you know, I I can go on and on. I I can go on and on about this, but I'm I'm glad I woke up to the fact that there's noise just a cacophony out here, and I no longer
0: want to be part of that cacophony. I don't, you know, and, you know, my guys tell me all the time, Jerry, you should be in every diocese in the in the in the, in the world your program and I'm thinking yeah and then come with all that political stuff that comes right with it they I mean do you know how hard it is to get a program or to get a bishop to to uh yeah. to uh you know, authorized some stuff like that. I mean, you can get priests to to recommend stuff, but like to be as part of a a archdiocese is completely a whole different story because it's a political thing and they don't want to get sued and they don't want to this and that, and they don't want to, you know, and so like I've always said, the bishops today are none, but they're just, they're just not what men in pointy hats that are politicians. And they, they're looking at what can I do to save myself and what I'm supposed to be doing. That's really, I think that's really
1: been the history of the Catholic Church for the most part. I mean, we had some rare exceptions after, you know, the Council of Nicaea, people like um, Bishop, Archbishop Thomas Beckett. Um, But for the most part, I I think every time that bishops were given the opportunity to render unto God what belongs to God and render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, time and time again for the last 2,000 years, they've rendered unto Caesar what belongs to God. (laughs) <laughs> the most recent example was shutting down all these churches during oh. the whole um, covid thing.
0: And yeah, Strickland
1: was even part of that, right? So, um mm-hmm. and, and so you know, he's he's supposed to be our hero, but you know, every, time and time again.
0: So, so let me so, ask you um, this question. So, like like I have friends that went to my church, our church, our little parish. We get It's in the downtown Indianapolis. We get people from all over the state that come to our little parish because it's one of the only ones that has um, that does uh, holy that does um, Latin mass and does it right. Hmm. And our English mass is so latin. (laughs) Our English mass is so latin and beautiful that people will come just to go to that, too, because in Indianapolis and our surrounding communities and the surrounding towns everybody has just kind of lost their mind, right? Yeah. But when they shut the churches down, I have friends that left our parish and went to SSPX, man. And uh. we have these, we have these all our battles. And listen, I'm I'm a relatively a new Catholic, as all my, most of my guys know that work with me. I'm a relative. I only been Catholic for like, like 15 years or something, 17, something like that. And when I came into the church, all I heard guys like you say, Michael Voris say, uh uh even Michael Matt, who I found as SPSPX, but uh people on um Catholic Answers, all of them apologize they, Everybody would say, hey, you can't fight the church outside the church. They that's what that was like because I listened to all of them, all of y'all, and yeah. in my head, that was like implanted, like to even though the SSPX, we can go to confession and things like that. But yeah. my priest is like, um, he is like the, uh, what do you call it? He is like the moral ethicist for the diocese of Indianapolis. So he, I went to him and he said that we can only go to SSPX when there ain't nothing else. Like huh. when they shut the churches down, you can go, but when the church is open back up, you had to come back. Yeah. And so I'm asking what I'm saying to you and asking you is one of my friends i mean he 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 kind of just told me he ain't never coming back because they shut down the sspx didn't and i was like me and he trying and then another thing too he trying to get me and my family to roll over there and i'm like i'm like dude i listen i i hear what you're saying i love you man yeah. but I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving God. I'm not doing that. I've been I've been there where you are, and I'm not yeah. doing that. I'm yeah. I believe that we gotta fight inside the church. That's why I can't I yeah. can never be a Protestant. I could never in a thousand years be a Baptist or a Methodist because that is not within what Christ is asking us. Mm. And I could never I've been there and I can't go back there because I understand that this is the church that Christ wants his church and we got to fight all of this stuff inside it, not outside it. What do you think?
1: I'm with you a hundred percent. I'll probably just say two, three quick things. Um, number one, the SSPX is irregular. We know they're irregular because they have to get permission from the Pope to even do what they are, have been given permission to do, you know, marriages confession, right. Um, they are still within some sort of jubilee. The Pope Francis gave them to to do these things. Um, but so they're just irregular status. If a pope has to give you permission to do something, that means this is an exception to the norm. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to put myself into this exception to the norm because what happens when this the next pope comes along? This is all revoked. So that, that, that's the first thing. So it is irregular. Second, I have a huge problem with the SSBX because on their official website and so many of their priests are telling Catholics, perhaps they're telling this to your friend. That going to a Norvis Ordo mass doesn't even fulfill your Sunday obligation. And so they're teaching Mm. people, you're better off if you can't get to SSPX. You're better off just staying home. This is what they say. Stay home and pray the rosary because going to a Norvis Ordo is some sort of like grave sin. And so mm-hmm. I have a huge problem with this organization recommending the, that people commit a grave sin by not fulfilling their Sunday obligations. So there, there's something inherently, inherently, intrinsically, mm-hmm. demonically wrong. Mm-hmm. With a lot of these priests over there in the SSBX, if they're recommending people to commit a grave sin, then, I'm, my, then my, my third point is that um, Catholics, um, and I, I've been saying this for like, man, a lot of years. I, I don't think it's anything exceptional. I think it's pretty obvious that for a long time, the faithful has been at war with the clergy, not all the clergy, but a lot of clergy. We shouldn't mm-hmm. know if we didn't know it before the early 2000s, when a whole sex abuse thing came out and we heard about for decades, these guys were just moving their friends around in different places. Yeah. If we didn't know it, it was them against us, they, we didn't know it was a war then by then, then something's just mentally wrong with you. So this is a hostile environment. We do have wolves and sheep clothing who are hostile against the faithful who are just trying to get to heaven. So the worst thing that ever happened, Jerry, I think, in far too many places, um, Catholics didn't understand war, just basic war techniques. They didn't understand this is a hostile environment. And so what you don't do in a war situation is you don't herd all your troops together you don't consolidate your forces and put them in one place it makes you an easy target easy to destroy so in far too many places we just all ran to the traditional mass and then um then what happened we found a a military um tactician which francis is he's a he's a brilliant he's brilliant when it comes to destroying his enemies Mm -hmm. um he looked around and saw oh all these guys are consolidated in these places and he struck down he struck okay I'll, i'll just take him away you know, I'm just gonna take these things away, and so and like what got, they gonna,
0: got, gonna do? He can like, we like, what are they gonna do? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, we, we you know? got comfortable. We got comfortable with, with Paul Ben. Yeah, um, so, um, so, um, well, yeah, that's that, that's where we're at. That, yeah, that's where you know the SSPX yeah. is like a non-starter for me. Like, no,
0: yeah, and and me and my wife went to SSPX. It was beautiful. I ain't gonna lie, it was beautiful, but, um. I just we went once or twice. I guess we went and um I took communion there. Didn't know I was wasn't supposed to, because I'm I'm still I was I didn't know. Yeah. So man, I got scared. I said, uh oh I'm going to Father McCarthy and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a confession. Go to confession.
1: <laughs>
0: I said, man, forget that yeah. dude. I ain't <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. but yeah. the thing about it is, man, is we are in a battle. Yeah. The Catholic Church is the, re- the reason that we're the biggest, and it's the, we, they're going to attack the biggest church within and outside, because yeah. if they can, if they can, if they can destroy us, Christ Church, then everybody else is like putty. It, you know, these mega churches that got 10,000, 20,000 people in there, yeah, that's a lot, but that ain't nothing compared to a billion, yeah. and They know, don't they know that Satan knows that. Mm. So when we talk about, you know, whatever church you're in, just ask yourself, you know, is this where I'm supposed to be? Mm. How do I fight for Christianity? How do I fight for Christ? Yeah. And believe me, if you a man, this is a battle, dude. This is a serious battle that we have to learn to fight. This is why I do marriage, because I realized that if we can change the man, uh, we'll change the world. Uh, we'll change yeah. the world, and and when men wake up, I don't care what kind of feminist you think you are. It's over. Yeah. Once we wake up, it's it. Once men wake up again, it's it. Things will turn warrior style. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. So that's what I do. That's why I try to get guys to understand that Christ wasn't a punk. Christ was strong. He was the most. If you look at him on the cross, that's kind of man you're supposed to be, and that's strong. That's uh the uh that's that's that is the will of God, and a lot of guys buy into that. And once they do, they start realizing that old way, man, the way this society is is not what's happening,
1: right? Yeah, I've been I've been so impressed. Um, I had I do had to mention, I, you know, I always get alerts for your videos. So you had this one recently, like how do you know when your woman is cheating or something like that? I just cracked up, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I was so impressed recently when I saw a poll, and it was talking about how the majority of Black American men are um, are um, I think it's like maybe like fifty something percent they're um, they're polling for Donald Trump to become president. They want they they're voting for him, and we have not mm-hmm. cast No votes have been cast yet, but in this poll, they said, "Oh, mm-hmm. that's who we want to be president now." You know politics aside so what does this say it points to what you were saying for for over 50 67 years the black american community has been very matriarchal it has been run by women in the homes in the protestant churches in the schools the the, the black man has been absent and in in the, the black american woman in these cities have told black men over and over again in their leadership position that you have to get in line and you have to vote for the democrats because that's the daddy that's who's taking care of things that's who's paying the bills and so for many decades black men have have bought into this that oh that's 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 who's helping us that's that's who's taking the role of men in our community the democrats and so but now i think black american men they 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 have Analyze this whole thing. and They see that it's not working. They looked around in the community. They see all this illegal immigration, all this, all this weird skittle stuff. And how things are just broken. Things haven't gotten better, and and so they realize that the matriarchy has failed, and so they have to. They're now in position. Okay, we have to assert more leadership in our communities. It's not going to happen at the ballot booth. The ballot booth is just a trick bag, you know, mm-hmm. but it is a sign that I think black men recognize that something is off and
0: they have to do something different. So I'm encouraged. Well, I had a, I had a, a guy tell me a while back, he told me, you know, he said, uh, his wife goes to a, uh, his wife, uh, run or helps run. And she's a, 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 instructor or a professor at an all black college and stuff. And, you know, and, Something happened to the finances. Huh. And so I, we started talking and I said, this is the problem with if you look at every every big city in the country that's run by Democrats, which is usually Blacks, Some mm-hmm. it, stuff ain't right. Some yeah. always, the stuff ain't never right. It's always give, give, give. <laughs> give, yeah. give, give. And then when a conservative or even a Democrat that understands business tries to tell them, hey, man, you, you got to stop doing this stuff. You're killing the black family. You're killing the black. Whatever you're trying to build the blacks up to be, you, you're killing it. You know, mm-hmm. and this is a problem. It's, it's a problem in the church. We, we keep doing the same old stuff. Yeah. And that stuff is not working anymore. And like you said, I think not just black men, all men are waking up and saying, "Look, man, I don't care if black or white or Chinese or Mexican or whatever, dude, we gotta we gotta come together and stop all this crazy mess." Yeah. You know. Yeah, so when so. I when guys come into my program, man, I don't care. Look, well, you if you come to my group sessions, I got them all, dude. I got them all, bro. They all have been there
1: <laughs> and.
0: We in a battle, dude. We in a battle, dude. And and the reason why is because we are understanding what's going on. We're trying to to, to really change our families. And because the old way of the nineteen sixties is over and we're done with that. You know?
1: Yeah. All right. I was reading this um the survey it was talking about how when I still doing my when I still doing my podcast I wanted you to come on and talk about this because I, I thought it was fascinating he was talking about how um, liberal women have a hard time finding a man because they want a strong man they want a masculine man but they can't find a strong man a masculine man unless he's you know conservative they can't find him with with with, with the liberal man so so women even women even women who don't believe what we believe understand what a man is that a man believes in something A man has values A man has standards A man recognizes that it's not him it's christ and and so yeah you're you're, you're definitely on the right on the right track man getting men on that path man understanding their leadership role in the home and
0: in the family and we were and the reason i did the cheating thing is because look man and even my wife says and stuff man you know you you got to get over it you're not like all the other catholics that Catholics ain't used to seeing Catholics like you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How I talk, what mm-hmm. I say, yeah. how I say it, the subjects I cover. Yeah. They're all because I realize, man, if you try to get across to men, you can't be talking like all the other weak men out there and, and the women and stuff right. about mercy, mercy, mercy. Dudes have, are sick of. Mercy, 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 mercy. They want to hear, like, listen, dude, how can I be a stronger, better right. man for God and my wife and my family? What right. am I doing? I got to get this right, you know. And if I go to them talking like everybody else on EWTN talking about, oh, just do this and that, oh, pray every day. And I was like, and I tell them, if it was just about praying, dude, let's, I tell you, look, go pray this, do that, and pray that, and then I'll see you later. But it ain't all about just praying. Praying yeah. is the number one thing, don't get me wrong, which we all know that. That's the unsaid thing. But there are so many other skills and relationships that men don't understand that 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 they need to understand to, to like you said, lead their families and then start to come back and lead the country again. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, because so.
1: we're, not, we're not spirits. I mean, if, if God wanted us to sit around and pray, he wouldn't give us a body. But I tell you what, you, you show me a man at any point in time. A real man, at any point in time, sees his family hungry for whatever reason. Before he, for he's gonna need to go out and find some food. He's gonna feed his family, but <laughs> first thing he's gonna do is God help me find something to kill. Right, and then he, and then he's, then he's gonna go find something to kill. Be first, he's gonna pray like he's gonna need some help. So right. he does pray, but then he goes out and do what a man does. So yeah.
0: and and that what you said is the core of today's Catholic life. Is this. If you want to bring Protestant in, if you want to grow the church, if you want people to get fired up about God and Christ again, dude, you have got to bring the faith to their everyday life. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, how does it affect, like you just said, if I don't kill food, what's going to happen? I mean, you've got to, we've got to, like, be, give them the reality of how their family is, of how their wife thinks, of how women think, and, and what is my role in all of that? You've got to bring, I think we've got to bring the faith down, not bring it down, but start people where they are, but bring it because people react better when God is in their everyday life and they can see how the Holy Spirit runs in and out of that. Yeah, I think so. You know, if we just, all we're just talking about is heaven all the time and stuff, man, people ain't, men ain't hearing that because heaven is like a long time away as far as they concern, you know, like, okay how can i win now okay i'm <laughs> you know how can i how can me and god together win now like not 30 years from now when i'm dead right yeah you know
1: i think mean, i think that's how men are built i think we're not really built for like long-term thinking and, and, and planning we can we can do that but our natural instincts like in the media space like give me something to tackle <laughs> you know yeah. that's why we like attracted to football it's like Every play, like, give me something to tackle. Give me something to do. You know, I think that's how men are just uh, so, you know, football, soccer, the other soccer, you know, they call football over here for some reason. You know, give me something to kick right now. Yes. And I think That's how men are built. Men even attracted to just what they see with women immediately. Just the, you know, the bells and the whistles, kind of like a car, you know, just what we see immediately. There might be something deeper to it, but um, just and, I, and so, yeah, I, I agree 100% with you. That's why I've been trying to do a St. Dominic's media with trying to make the present the mass in like a more tangible way. Like, how do you live this thing? Yeah, there's mystery. There's bells, there's smells. But how do you live this thing out after you, after you leave? Yes. The mass? How do you live? Yes. This out? So,
0: yes. How do you live the faith once you leave out of church and mass on Sunday? Because when I became Catholic, and I started, I was just going to church on Sunday. I was like, okay, something ain't right. Cause I'm going to be a mortal sinning fool if I just go to church on Sunday. Cause that ain't nearly enough. Man, <laughs> And that's one thing about my program is we don't sit around emoting about our wives and all that all the time. We got action. We're doing actions, dude. actions to get her to come to us, uh-huh. you know, Cause dudes don't like sitting around just waiting. Cause just sitting around and waiting—that exactly. ain't what we do, right? Give me something, do. To, <laughs> right? <Yeah>. give me <laughs> something to do. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Well, hey, man. Wow, we would talk. Okay, well, we're gonna try to get through these three uh, Protestant objections today. Um, okay. So, state what we're gonna happen is I'm gonna give um, give you. We're gonna start with objection because objections. What I call them is common misconceptions concerning the Catholic faith and Christianity. So okay. we're going to try to cover three of them today. Um, we try to cover three every month. Uh, we don't get to all three of them today. Then I'll, you know, kick it to next month. But the main thing is, is, you know, why do men like us say where the strength is in the faith, the church that Christ wants us to be a part of the, the, the church that he instructed us to be part of that, the apostles or the apostolic succession and all of that stuff. It's like we're not just talking and saying we want you to do this because we want you to do this. We're not trying to build an organization, right? right. Um, a lot of Protestant churches—it's kind of a, a conflict of interest, right? It's like, well, I'm a Baptist and I started this church. Well, and I need money, so the main thing I have to be exciting. I have to be. I have to be different, and I have to be all of this stuff to bring in the money and to bring in the people. So it's kind of like a conflict of interest that I realized that when I came to the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church don't really talk about money. We do, but it's on specific times and it's so quiet how we do it. I mean you could be in in the in the mass and you could blink and that the offering's already done. I mean it's like you didn't even really you didn't even see the basket. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. it ain't like that in most Protestant churches, right? Mm -hmm. Dude, you're going to know that it's offering time. Yeah. You know, you come, you know, you come, they are going to be nice to you. They're going to try to get you to, you know, to, to come and stay because they have to, you know, um, and I'm sure it's about Christ too, but it's kind of a conflict of interest, which is the thing that, that a lot of Protestants, if you talk to them, they have a problem with that. Like every time we go to church, we're talking about how to give this money to this all the time. Heck man, I, I barely make fifty, forty thousand dollars a year. I, I gotta feed folks. All right. all <laughs> you right. know. Um, so with that being said, let's talk about the first common objection that people have uh, in the faith. So objection one in the in the true Christian church, no one has authority over another. So, with that being said, a scripture that proves that false is Romans 12, 12, Romans 12, verses 4 through 5. It says, for as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not the same function. So, we, through many, are one body in Christ, and individually, members one of another." So again, the objection is in the, true, in the true Christian church, no one has authority over another. So that is false. And so the explanation of Romans 12, 4, 5 is this verse points out there are many roles we all participate in as members of the same body. We are all members of the same body, but have been given different gifts and functions to carry out within the church. The apostolic succession is manifested in our Holy Father, the bishops, and our priests. The teaching of function, the teaching function of the church, which is called the magisterium, guides and directs the body of believers, so they do not go astray. All right. So what do you think about that, David?
1: Yeah, I think you do have some Protestant denominations who would argue that. Um largely the ones who would call themselves apostolics, people who um, and I think largely also Jehovah's Witnesses, they they would do that as well. That we're all that we're all on the same playing field. No one has authority. This is largely a refutation of the Catholic Church at its core. Authority. Um, yeah. It, exactly. And it's a refu- a refutation also of Jesus Christ Himself, who clearly you look in John, the word he chooses when he speaks about his apostles is a word in Greek is that's related to ordain. Okay. So in, in the scriptures and in, in the gospels, so we see even in John chapter 20 verses 21, um, 22, when he's speaking about Jesus appears to them after his resurrection. And, um, you know, he says, peace be with you, of course. And, um, he goes on to a dialogue where he says, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he says, who sins, you forgiven or forgiven, who sins, you retain or retained. Um, and it's also in John as well. We see him speaking with Peter. He also gives Peter some unique roles. Um, Feed my sheep, pasture my lamb, tend to my sheep. Uh, we, we see at other times, you know, he gives Peter a new name. So through, throughout the gospels. Throughout the Gospels, we see him giving his apostles, those who he has ordained, authority. When we get to the book of Acts, we see them call Stephen and some other uh, what we call deacons now. And they said they were going to give them authority over the distribution to the widows. And so throughout Scripture, we have clear examples. And like the one you read, that, we yes, we have different functions, different callings, different gifts. Um. But there also there's definitely a hierarchical structure. And it's always funny to hear Protestants say this because then they would say, Well, you know, we, we all have the same, we're all the same, but well, the Bible is our authority over us. This this is the authority right here. But again, scripture doesn't say that either. What it does say that the church is the pillar and a bulwark of truth. So um yeah, I think that that that, that objection is easily refuted. Okay. Uh, just just
0: a oh just a plain reading of the black and white. And and also interpret, you know, we're here's the thing interpretation, who has the authority to interpret scripture? Mm-hmm. This is the core of the problem. People look at scripture and go, yep, the Holy Spirit told me that. Where you get that? How's how, how did that how does that, you know? When it comes to interpretation, we all have to be on the same page. We cannot be interpreting things differently, like because if we do, then we, we have 30,000 different denominations now or 40, whatever it is. Right. And so if we're not all on the same, this is not what Christ wanted, man. He wanted us to all be on the same page, the same. And when you turn the page, we all in the same one. When it comes to, to mass, to the liturgy, to the sacraments, everything we all on the same we are united as a christians as christians this is why when a person goes out and starts their own church what are we what are we doing what are we doing because then what happens is people come to his church then they get mad at him and they don't agree with him then they go somewhere else to somebody else's church this is why it's just a never-ending cycle and christ said my church not my churches so interpretation of scripture there has to be an authority in that, and the authority is who? The Catholic Church. Who who, who put together the Bible? The Catholic Church. So don't you think that maybe, just maybe, 2,000 years of experience in the apostles and bishops that they might just know what the heck they're talking about? Just maybe? Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, yeah, the, me
1: the apostles are yeah, ordained by Jesus Christ himself to be the teaching authority. And Christ did not just establish that for that little area area of 30, just one year while he was still alive, but that they would have successors. So the teaching authority continues from 33 or 32 AD onward until today. So we have teachers who who um, take the scripture and tradition, like Paul said, listen to a. Not only that we said, but also what was passed down to you, the oral tradition. So in our church, and I think the best evidence is just really the evidence itself for two thousand years. I mean, look at the Catholic Church. Yeah, we're yeah we have men and women who are quite flawed, but look at the evidence itself. As you spoke earlier, for two thousand years, who has the world been attacking the Catholic Church? It's not attacking Creflo Dollar's church. It's not really that concerned about that. Um, But for 2000 years, Satan has been trying to destroy and undermine one church and that's the Catholic Church. it, it, and, and, and then you look at our teachings on just faith and morals. Like they haven't changed in 2,000 years. And now look at all the Protestant churches quite recently, the last 50 years. They, they've moved on uh, um, abortion. They've moved on gay marriage. They've moved on everything. Now look at the Catholic church that hasn't moved. So if you want to belong to a church of I, remain Protestant. You know, perhaps you'll, you'll, you'll have a successful ending. You know, You know, we're not going to micromanage your salvation that belongs to God. But if you want to belong to, so that's your church of I. See how that works out for you. But if you want to belong to the church of we, that we've believed for 2,000 years, these things we say in the creed, then um, get a Catholic church a second look and give it a chance. It's, it's a completely different experience belonging to the church of we, not I. And,
0: and a lot of th- and, and look, I get Protestants. And I hear Baptist and non-denominate, I get them all. And the first thing I tell them is, look, man, I'm not trying to convert you. I'm not. What I'm trying to do, my job as your coach is to help you save your marriage and get a relationship with God. In order to do that, I've got to give you the fullness of the faith. I've got to give you everything that I can soak into your head in 16 weeks um, to help you understand how God is working in your life. Um, and, and the conversion to what you're, the church that you're going to go to, that conversion is between you and God. My job though, is to give you all the Holy spirit that I can to help you understand that even if you go back to the church that you're in, which is cool that you, you have a different look on what your faith is, is about mm-hmm. and what you're doing. That's yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we have to understand that one thing I learned is that we have to hit people where they are. Um, and if a dude comes to me, and he wants to save his marriage and he's a non-denomination. I'll come talk about, oh, man, you got to be Catholic. You got I'm like, dude, I'm going to lose him in like two seconds. OK, right. no, no, no. My job is to get you in the in the proper habits of the faith so that yeah. you understand the faith better and more. And then you can take that to your family and then have the Holy Spirit move you yeah. to whatever happens after that.
1: Yeah, I think even, right. even if a man comes to you and he, he's never in his church, he doesn't even have a sacrament called holy matrimony. He thinks marriage is something that happens in a court. Just yeah. understanding what the Catholic Church teaches about marriage mm-hmm. being a sacrament. You may have heard that God makes two things, you know, the two two flesh become one. But the Catholic Church explains how does that happen through the work of Christ and his yes. grace? How, how, does, how does God sustain that? I'm um, the function of marriage, uh, the purpose of sex. Just just laying out what the Catholic Church, Catholic Church believes about the sacrament of holy matrimony. I mean, I think that may inspire people, men want to become Catholic. Oh, there's and, something here that's true that I've never heard before. I need to find out more about this.
0: And one of the things that I do make clear is, too, is that this is what Christ wants. Mm. He gave authority to the Catholic Church, but I don't, I, I say, listen, this is what Christ wants. This is what Christ said. This is what, how Christ wants you to be, how God wants you to be. And that way, it's like, that's how we get on the same page, right? That's how we get on the same page as Christians, that we got to figure out what the truth is of what Christ is asking. And then we get together and we get on that mission. And then that's how we move forward. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the most important thing. I usually, you will hardly ever hear me say, uh, the, the Catholic Church says this or the Catholic Church says that because what's first of all, that's divisional. And people, first thing you say, the Catholic Church says this, they're gonna be like, Well, you know how folks get, you know. So what I because I understand that what Christ said is what he gave to the church, the, Christ, the Catholic church. So I'm not I'll go with this is what God wants. This is what Christ wants. And then most of the guys, well, I say all of them, they get they can get that. They can get that. Like this keeps us out of conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of go and figure out with the Holy Spirit, the rest of that. So, OK, now let's do we got eight minutes. So let's do the so we'll probably get through at least get to the second one. Okay, objection number two. Once the last apostle died, that was the end of the apostolic age and any further apostolic authority. And so the scripture that proves that wrong, proves that false is 1 Corinthians 3.10, which states, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and another man is building up on it. Let each man take care how he builds up on it. And so the explanation and interpretation of that scripture is, Paul is building on the cornerstone, capstone Christ, a foundation. He taught and gave authority for others to build upon that foundation. This is what the Catholic Church refers to as apostolic succession. Christ didn't come to establish a church, only to have it fall apart with the death of the last apostle. The church was intended to be a visible, living church. He commissioned the apostles to baptize and preach the gospel until he returns. Successive replacements are necessary. That is beautiful. And used to that you say, Mr. David. That
1: it's foolish, I think, to believe that Jesus Christ um, deemed to, his Father sent him, sin, condes- come down to the world to be born of woman, um, live among us for 33, 32 years, and then leave. And not leave some sort of secession plan in place to do what he said he promised to do. Um, he said he's going to give us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us towards all truth. So we know that we have the Holy Spirit within us, right? But also, his his what he established through his apostles, the teaching authority on Earth, the church he established that so we see in Matthew sixteen, chapter sixteen, that on you, Peter, I established this church. And I promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So there is so much evidence to the contrary that Jesus has been put an organization in place to move forward uh, throughout time to continue to bring people into his um, into um, to um, to um, uh, perform the mission which he gave us to to baptize, go out, and spread the news, good news, and baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the mission. That we see in in Matthew. So the thing that Jesus then put some sort of structure in place to to do this throughout time. It, it just refused Scripture itself and the evidence that we, that we have before us. It even refused the Old Testament that God put in place a Levitical priesthood. He, he He sent prophets to take His people up to the point that Christ would come to to um to prepare them to receive. Their um, inheritance to uh, bring the new Exodus, where we were not just um, um, where our sins wouldn't just be atoned for, but our sins would be forgiven. It would be the true Passover that Jesus Christ brought. So I, I think I, I think it's slightly just illogical, Jerry, uh, even even without um, many of the scriptures. Just the thing that God came and then left and then leave some sort of thing in place for us to continue to meet him. And so this really points to, in in theology, what we call the admirable exchange. And I'll explain that real quick. So the admirable exchange is God becoming man, so man may become like God. The point of admirable exchange is that it resolves just the the questions that men and women face. We ask these same questions over and over again. Um, Who am I? How did I get here? Where am I going? Um, What's my purpose in life? And so before Christ comes, we don't have a way to answer that. Yes, we have God, but he seems quite distant. He always speaks to us through prophets. We don't really have a real name for him. We have a sentence, I am who I am. So Jesus Christ resolves those primordial questions because he becomes one of us. And not only does he become one of us, he gives us a personal name by which to call him. And not only that, he gives us a means to always have a relationship with him through his church and through his sacraments. So all these questions like who am I, where do I come from, where's my purpose in life? Well, you be, you be, we belong to God, and the purpose of life is just trying to figure out well how do I be? Yeah, and in Christ we have to figure out well we 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 are in Christ, we we be in Christ, and so this is this is the 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 mercy and the grace that God has bestowed upon us. This apostolic succession that we call mm-hmm. it, this church that we call it, all it is is a means by which we are always able to have relationship with with him and figure out how to be. So it's not complicated. It's just that God loves you. He came because he loves you. And he's always loving you through his church and through his sacraments.
0: A lot of times, like when um, I talk to guys, every single guy I ever talked to have ever talked to, and one of the first things I say to him is, Dude, you're having these temptations and chaos in your life and in your marriage because your britches got too big. You're moving too far away from God, and Uh. he's like, enough of that. So I'm going to send this pain in your life so you start to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And guys can kind of get that. They can kind of get that. Like, I'm moving away from God. The purpose of us even being here is to send saints back to God. Uh And to be with him in the beatific vision and God has so much mercy for me that when I start moving too far away, he allows the demonic in our lives to cause pain to get us to listen. And, man, I learned that from Father Ripperger. And I'm telling you, that is kind of one of those things that kind of change your life. And you go once you start contemplating it (laughs) like you talk, you just talked about love. That's love. That's yeah. mercy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That's fatherhood as well. I mean, it's
1: like the, the prodigal son as well. I mean, of the, pro- the father, the prodigal son, the son who left his father, you know, he wanted to go sleep with whores. He wanted his money now. Um, you know, the father had the means to follow his son. He could have stalked him. He could have followed him, went after him and brought him back and self, strong guard him, armed him. But it is right and proper that and uh, for, for people to figure out love for themselves. And to return uh, through God and his grace. So yeah, I'm definitely with you, man. That, that's that's what happens
0: when we move further away. Yeah. So you get you got five more minutes, six more minutes. Do yeah. the last one. Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's do the last uh-huh. one since we got to the last one. <laughs> so the last one, I have two false uh scriptures that prove it. This one false. It's because I, I had to put it in there because it was so uh relevant. So the last uh uh misconception about the Christi- about Christianity is Peter was no greater than any of the other apostles, okay? So, the scripture, I'm going to say it again, Peter was no greater than any of the other apostles. So, scripture that proves that's false is John 21, 17, which states, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Explanation of John 21, 17. Jesus confirms his, so his appointment of Peter to be head of the church on earth. Christ is the good shepherd who leads his flock but here he tells Peter to feed his sheep. This discussion between Jesus and Peter takes place prior to Jesus ascending into heaven. Peter is gi- is given the authority by Christ and left in charge of the sheepfold, the church. No other apostle was given the authority. We look to the chair of Peter for Christ's representative here on earth. Now, the second scripture, which proves Peter was no greater than any of the other apostles. False is Matthew 16, 19, which states, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Explanation. Jesus gives Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. These are symbolic keys which represent a supreme apostolic authority. The authority of the keys gives Peter alone jurisdiction as supreme shepherd and ruler over all the church. Also, note, Peter's name is mentioned 195 times in the New Testament, more than all the other apostles combined. His name is always mentioned first. The primacy is undeniable. Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs john 21 15 through 17 what do you think brother
1: man i I think the same people who say peter wasn't special say that mary wasn't special yeah and and, (laughs) (laughs) it it just refutes just just the black and white what we see but i understand why they say it they have to say it because if peter just ordinary he's just some just some guy that there was no special role for him, no special just like duty, Mary, no special just like Mary
0: was nobody special, she didn't, exactly. you know, she didn't do nothing special. Oh, she's only the mother of God, but you know,
1: <laughs> but I get it, I, I, I get it because if you do believe those things that you believe that, um, Mary had a special role in salvation history and that Peter has a special role in salvation history, then it, it brings you back to the Catholic Church, and you have to deal with got yeah, deal of those with it. Things. Yes, but I see. Yeah, I mean, the scriptures that you read were were solid. You you read the um, Matthew sixteen. Only one I would add to that is once we get to the um, the passion narrative, and Peter turns back. Um, you know, he he denies Jesus three times, and Jesus says, "You know, I knew you would do that, but I have prayed for you so that you, will, when you turn back, you will strengthen your brothers." So, with this put together, Jerry. There's three confessions in the New Testament that Peter, is associ- only he is associated with. We don't even have to get into We can get into a little bit about the fact that God gave him a name, a new name. Only time we ever saw that was with um, Abram, who becomes Abraham. Abram. Yeah, I that. was
0: always confused about that, man. <laughs>
1: yeah. And not, not only that, but he calls him, he says, yeah, you are Kapa." We're talking about it in Hebrew. Now, you are caper. Upon this Kapa, I will build my church. Now, a Hebrew here, a Jewish person hearing this, would be very this be disturbed about this whole thing, because from the Jewish perspective, only God is Rock, God is Kappa. and so here is God, Jesus Christ, the second person only Trinity, who is uh, well, they wouldn't have thought of him that, but here is this Messiah, here is this person who is a prophet, calling another human being. Capa calling a human being rock. Mm. This is problematic. Um, but this lets you know how unique the role is to Peter. Okay, that God, who is the rock, called this name the person rock. This is crazy. And so now so that's that's the first confession. Peter says, You are the Messiah, Son Living God. And every time we make a confession, and you know this, you you deal with men who say they love their wife or don't have evidence of it. Every time you make a confession, that confession comes with a duty. So Peter mm. says, you're a son of living God. Okay, well, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to give you a new name. Responsibility with confession. And the same, the one you read in John chapter six, Peter says three times, um, I phileo you in Greek, you know, which I love you and a brotherly way. Jesus asks him, do, do you agape me? And Peter says, "Why well, I phileo you. And Jesus responds by giving him a duty each time feed, pastor, tend my sheep. Only time that we see that. And the other confession Jesus makes about Peter, and that's the one I read, he says that um, you are going to strengthen, go return. I'm going to pray for you that you will strengthen your brothers. So these are the three duties of the Pope. One, to proclaim the gospel. You are Messiah, son of the God. Two, to be um, a shepherd. Of his sheep. That's the second duty to Peter. The third duty is to be a source of unity. These are the three duties of the Pope: to proclaim the gospel, to shepherd his sheep, and to be a source of unity for the brother for his brother bishops. Maybe why Francis fired, you know, Strickland. Maybe he didn't think he was being, you know, a unitive. He's trying to he's trying to bring about unity in a weird sort of way, trying to force it. But these are the duties of the Pope, and these are the duties that were first given to. Peter. So I, it's, it's a lock solid case. Even when you go to Acts, Peter's the first one to speak at the Pentecost. Uh, people turn to him. Paul goes, see him. And, and though he admonishes Peter, Paul does, nothing wrong with that. But he he goes to Jerusalem. He speaks. So throughout tradition, outside of scripture, the first two centuries, we clearly see evidence of the first bishops, uh, um, the, the, the Peter's successors. Point back to him as being the first pope. So, um, so, um, so, yeah. We can sit around; we can deny the evidence in scripture and in tradition. But we have to admit that why do I why do I reject what's clear to me before my eyes? What's yeah. going on inside of me? Yeah, that makes me refute this. And so, it's usually just a personal problem of, of authority or something to do with a misunderstanding of the Catholic Church.
0: And this is why like if i when i when I do get in debates with um with um Baptists or Protestants but not I never do that inside um inside my program because that's fruitless. you don't cause conflict like that when you're trying to coach and help somebody um but ha- having fun outside you know outside the street you know having fun, you know the first thing I attack Protestants with is authority, you know because that's where they're coming from. And then once you understand authority and you have that conviction of authority, everything else just kind of has to fall in place if you're honest with oh, yeah. yourself. Um, the other thing too is Peter also to kind of make up for him denying Christ three times, wasn't he the one that got buried upside down? Like he told he said, I want to be buried upside down. Um, uh because I I don't I'm not I'm not worthy enough to be buried. To be crucified, not buried upside down, crucified yeah. upside down. I'm sorry. I'm not worthy enough to be crucified um the way our Lord was. Yeah. Is that is that that happened to Peter, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's a tradition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and the last thing is what you said is just so beautiful. This is why I have you on the one time a month that I can talk about the faith and we can discuss it, you know, and we don't have to hold back. <laughs> um, this is the this is the this is the, the um this is the reward I give myself once a month <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because you teach That's me something. Every, every time you come you teach me something and I love it I love it um so other than the thing is too this is what I mean is what you said was so beautiful because everything in the Bible is everything in the bible is is intricate and means something uh-huh. Just like the liturgy and the mass, people don't realize that God, everything. Just like I tell, everything that you that God says means something. Everything uh-huh. Christ says means something. When you go to mass, everything the priest up there, especially in the the Latin mass, well, the, in the in the Lord's order too, everything the priest does has a meaning. There's uh-huh. nothing up there wasted. Uh-huh. Like when I talk to men about their about their wives, you have to start. When your wife says something, it means something. Don't, when she talks, she's, she kind of, women kind of talk like priests do. They never give you a direct answer. It's kind of like we always kind of go around. Men don't like that, but that's how they learn, that's how they talk. But women, I try to get my guys to understand that from now on, from this day forward, when your wife says something, you need to analyze it. And to know that it means something, just like in the Mm. Bible, guys, when Christ talks, everything means something like what David was saying. It's like the intricate stuff that David just brought out is something that you would never get if you hadn't had the interpretation and the the in-depth knowledge to understanding of the whole picture of creation. Mm. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, um, that's, I think that's the Catholic difference. Um, that is just the fullness of the faith. I mean, you know, we recognize, you know, I was a Protestant. You know, you you came into the church as well. I we understand that we, we understood a lot of things outside the church. Um, but it's sort of like a dim light. Like if I turn off the lights in here, you can see some of me because um, I'm, you know, I'm dark. You could probably see my teeth if I smile. Right. Um, but that's just that's just a, a dim light. And so what the mm-hmm. what, what the church is offering is the fullness, so you can see the the brightness of the whole thing. You can see everything in context. And for me, Jerry, when I was coming to the church, this was it. It was it was this authority piece because I was just so tired of trying to figure out this thing on my own, mm. and I was tired of all these different competing ideas and me going back and forth, like, oh, that sounds right what these Calvinists are saying. Oh no, those apostolics. That 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 sounds a little bit better. And I was kind of putting stuff together and sort of making my own church. Thought for a second, well, maybe I just get out, you know, and and just maybe start my own church, you know, something like that. And um, but where's that in the Bible? Where's where's the verse where I can start (laughs) my own church? You know, so it it was all problematic. But once I accepted the authority that this church has been around, as you said, for two thousand years, this church not only knew the apostles, but the apostles founded some of the early churches um this is the church that met in all the councils that fleshed out the heresies this church is the one that wrote the creed put the bible together this this is a church that has all the experience over that has exorcists
0: and teach you how to deal with demons and what they are and are about in hell yeah and saints
1: as well. This church yes. has the saints and
0: angels. I know. Yeah, do how evidence. yes. It has the evidence of that. These things are to are of ultimate truth. Yeah. Oh my God! And so why, I why, I trust this,
1: why would I trust this authority? Right? If I trust my parents, uh, you know, I, I trusted them as a kid <sighs> to lead me and guide me because um, they're older than me. They 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 brought me in. Why would I trust? Why would I trust the church? And so.
0: So As I'm gonna say I'm gonna make a statement and then you're gonna respond and let me know what you think. Like I said, I've only been Catholic for maybe 15 years. My wife will probably say longer or whatever, but you know, one of the things that I learned, and I've learned inside the church, Protestant churches, I've come to realize that always people are always trying to justify their sin. They're always trying to justify to do what they want to do, which is diabolical, you know, uh, selfishness, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, diabolical narcissism. It's like we're always trying to justify what we want to do. So, of course, when we're a pastor on the pulpit, we're always trying to change around God's word to make it fit that we can do different so we don't have to adhere to the abortion thing Uh, or the homosexual thing or the, or the, or the, the the sexual thing that, you know, things like that or whatever uh, we want to do, you know, uh, and we always try, our brain is always trying to rationalize everything against God because we want to be with God, but we kind of want to be with him on our own terms. And once we all realize that within ourselves, it makes dealing with Satan a lot simpler. Like uh, St. Teresa of Lejeune, I think is one of Like, she would tell Satan he would come, she'd be asleep, and he'd come mess with her in her bed. And she'd be like, Look, get behind me. You need to get away from me. I'm not, she'd be laughing at him and stuff. I know it's probably, it's probably her. It was one of them women saints. She'd just be laughing at him. Like, dude, you need, to, you, you need I ain't trying to deal with you because you, you funny. <laughs> you know, so respond to that man and I'll let you go.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's that's one thing I, I realize uh, as well. Uh, not only not only in my journey into the Catholic Church, but just learning how to live in union with Christ. That uh, and Paul says this as well. That everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Okay, so mm-hmm. we can we can justify, um, and this is really how sin works, right? You, you take the most demonic thing you can even think of, uh, pedophilia. And the pedophile, what he says, how he justifies it, is that um, I love children. Okay, And this is the perversion of the demonic. Oh, I love children, so I'm going to do this. Okay, You take a bank robber who says, oh, yeah, I'm going to rob this bank. Um, uh, and it'd be a good thing because I need money. All right. So we always justify the good in these perverse, perverse ways. It's always upside down land. Now I took like two really extreme examples, but how, how is it not extreme to do the same thing when it comes to obedience? Mm. Christ condescends from heaven to just give us a church. He just wants us to love us. He just wants to give us a home. He wants to give us a way to lead us back to him. He wants to give us, he gives us these sacraments and the priesthood and his authority. And, um, and and they do, they bring, and then the church brings scripture and all these other helps to help us, the sacraments and the sacramentals rather along the way, just, just to help us in the liturgy and the liturgy. All the liturgy is, is just, um, God providing for us it's just God being father you know just providing us giving us a means some of us when we were 16 or um, you know our dad gave us a car maybe gave us a bicycle or something like that gave us a means to to get where we needed to go okay this is, this is what the liturgy is um and so we, we, could, we, could, we, could, we, could, we could justify many ways to be disobedient and to do our own thing and to figure out our own way. Um, we can justify adultery. You know, oh, she wasn't having sex with me. You
0: know,
1: mm-hmm. or, You know, she was. Always, I got my
0: know, own. I got needs, man. I got exactly. needs.
1: <laughs> oh, this woman at work, she listens to me. Right. Oh, yeah. All, yeah. all this stuff. We, oh, we, could, we, we could just we, we masters of justifying sin. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. But um, it all comes down to, I think, you know, my formula. The thing I follow, Jerry, is I ask, my, ask myself three questions. Um, whatever action or the thought is. My first question is, is this sinful? It's like a flow chart. Is this a sin? Yes or no? Okay. So if it's not a sin, so if it is a sin, stop. But then if it isn't a sin, I even go to the second level. I say, well, is this is this virtuous? Uh, is this virtuous? Um, yes or no, if it's not virtuous, then even though it's not a sin, well, maybe I should really consider this. Maybe I should stop. Mm. And then, then the third level, I even go down to, I say, well, is this beneficial, <laughs> right? Because Paul said everything's permissible, but is it beneficial? Is it is it helping, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the level when I got to, when I started asking myself about my podcast, and, you know, making all that noise, okay, it wasn't a sin. Maybe it has some virtue in there. Maybe it was helpful. Is it beneficial, right? And so these are the questions that we should really ask ourselves, just these three-tier flow charts." And, um, um, and a lot of stuff would end at number one, right? You know, nowadays, you know, it isn't sin, mm-hmm. not a sin, sin stop, but we should, we should continue to analyze our thoughts and our words, things we're about to say, and then also our actions. And, um, and that, that will help rid us of any uh, false justification. Like, okay, why deny? Well, do. Um, I'm going to stay outside the Catholic church. I just don't believe it's sin or not a sin. Okay, well, maybe a sin, but I don't quite understand why it's a sin. Mm. Okay, is this virtuous or not virtuous? Well, what's the opposite of this? Well, is it virtuous? It seems to be more virtuous to obey God and be in His church. Okay, well, is it beneficial to me not to belong to the church as making saints? You know, so you, you can work through this whole thing in so many different ways. And so that that's one thing I would pass on to 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 people. Just uh, you know, well, how, do I, how do how do I live this thing out?
0: hmm. And one of the things and that's the same thing I do is almost it's it's a little that's what you just did is a um, individual personal understanding and, and trying to get my to understand what I'm doing as a man. Uh-huh. So the thing that I give them is. In order to remove selfishness from ourselves and our wives and children see that we are not selfish because Mm -hmm. when they see you're selfish, they rebel against you, right? Mm. So we put the, the, the priority is God first. So we put God first, and that decision that you want to do does not conflict with God, and keeps your relationship with God good. Then you, the, your second priority is your wife and marriage. Yeah. If the decision or the thing I want to do does that going to cause rift or cause a problem with my wife and my marriage, and then if that's great, then boom, is it going to hurt my children? Is it going to cause a, a relationship? Chaos with my children. If yeah. no, then that last one is yourself. You can do that. After that, you can not do whatever you want. You know that. That's what you know. But that's yeah. exactly what you said, and I just took it and put it in a family thing. So, yeah, guys, yeah the
1: flow flowchart. Yeah, that's a beauty. I think that's a beautiful flowchart. Yeah,
0: yeah. That way you can you always know if that 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 is a selfishness meter, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. women and children hate their father or the husband being selfish because then why am I following him? Like you're leaving me. Even when you don't try to leave me, you're leaving me. And every time I look up, you ain't here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I um, think it is, it is important. like do that analysis too. Like one, one thing I do just like that, that because we do always talk about mental health. We talk about physical health. You know, you go to a doctor, he'll take your blood, he'll check your cholesterol and all this stuff. But, but we have to have those, those spiritual meters like like you said to like yes self check-ins one thing i i do is when it comes to like temptation and stuff like that and this changes every day it just depends upon how much i t- spend my time i spent the scripture you know it's just the, it's, it's a day-to-day analysis but if i'm tempted i ask myself oh how easy is it for me to walk away from this temptation mm. if, if it's if it seems to be easy for me to just you know not look at this girl's butt you know <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know ruminate Um, Or is it or or today? Is it difficult for me? Am I ruminating? You know, Um, and so if 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 it's difficult for me to do the right thing, then then that lets me know how then how I've been prayerful today. There's some things I didn't do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I really believe in like these meters, as you say, these these check ins that we have to do throughout the day.
0: It's really what is what is it really called? Examination of conscience. Examination That's of conscience. Really, yeah. what it it's essential, is
1: essential, especially at the end of the day. I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know the last thing too, man, is I read this book. I don't know if I, it's probably not Catholic or even Christian. I don't know. There's a lot of good principles in it, but it, I read it a long time ago. It's called How to Win Flint, Win Friends and Influence People. It's one. I never heard of that book. I never read it. Man, one of the things that this guy said in here that I have never forgotten in 30 years, probably. Is this man? He says that no, no person thinks they're bad. Everybody thinks they're good. Uh They, Uh if you ask a a serial killer, Uh he's gonna say, "I'm not a bad person. Uh I'm a good person. I just in a bad situation, you know." And so when you were talking about what you were talking about, it made me think about that book about how. You know, we always rationalize our sin. We we try our best to rationalize what we're doing because we're called to be good, but it's easier to be bad, right?
1: <laughs> so, all right. There, there was a, there was a um, and I think you know, I didn't get that for myself, and perhaps this guy I don't know where he got it from. But I think one of the earliest people that said it was his monk named Guido. He is French. He's a Carthusian, and he went through that same thing. Just theologically, he's pointing out how we were we, we were created to be good. And therefore we can do nothing but good. But it's always the the subjective good that that we're inclined mm-hmm. to rather than the
0: objective good which comes from God. Yeah. Well, Dave, one last uh I keep saying last thing, but we ha- we kinda of talked about yeah, man,
1: you sound, you sound like one of those Protestant preachers,
0: man. they be in the church, <laughs> like, I got one, one, one more one more thing. I'm almost done. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got one more thing. <laughs> well, this is a good last thing, like. We kind of talked about St. Dominic's Media earlier, so you got anything? Where can people reach you, um, your website and all that kind of stuff? What's going on real quick?
1: Yes, yeah, saintdominicsmedia.com Just put an S in it, Saint Um, What I'm finishing up now is a 31, the whole Catechism of Catholic Church which is a big blue book. Um, so I, I, I summed it down into 31 Talks. I think Father Mike Smith did like the catechism in a year. We don't got time for that. We ain't got, we got time for 31 all that. 31 talks <laughs> on a catechism. We wow. don't got 365. We don't got time for that. So I'm finishing that up now. I just finished up the sacraments of holy matrimony and the holy sacrament of holy orders. And now I'm about to go into the, the other sacramentals, and then we're going to get into the sins. So hopefully I'll be done um in the next you know month or so. So tune in, St. Dominic's Media
0: for that. I think it's a fascinating series. Oh, man. Thanks, as always, man, for hanging out. Have a great Thanksgiving, dude. I hope you and the wife uh, hang out really good, have some good food. And, um, well, I'll see you Christmas, I guess, next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you too, Jerry. You and your right, wife. Well, God bless y'all. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you're getting value from this podcast and would like more personal marriage help, Visit savemycatholicmarriage.com for an opportunity to work with me. Personally for free. Yes, within thirty days, learn how to become a better husband that attracts your wife back to you. Visit Save My Catholic and get a plan tailored specific to your marriage and situation. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me the chance to help you using my personal and gained experience. Visit Save My Catholic for superior coaching for your marriage. Again, Save My Catholic Marriage All right, gentlemen. Thank you all so much for hanging out with me and my man Dave today. And um, I hope that you guys got some. You guys had something, got something out of that. And um, I hope it helps you to think about your faith and to think about um, you know your relationship with God. And remember, knowledge of God is love of God. Right? We cannot love God to His fullest and love Christ to His fullest. Unless we have knowledge of him, um, this is why I bring David on because he's an historian, he's a Catholic theologian. He 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 has it, man. He has it, and like I like. Hey, I'm sitting here learning. I'm sitting here eating up his wisdom, um, and the things that that Christ has taught him and um, that he's learned. And um, I hope that I want to bring that to you guys every month. If if he'll keep doing it with me, um, other than that, um, have a great Thanksgiving. There's no show Thursday tomorrow. But, you know, um, I have plenty of older shows if you guys want to, you know, get in there and rock that or if you just want to take a break for Thanksgiving, which is a good thing, too. Uh, I will see you next week and we will start counting down to Christmas. And as we always do, uh, we end with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI, which states society offers you comfort and you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Now go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast, pray, and prepare for battle. Thank you for listening in today. If what you heard helped you in any way and you would like more personal attention, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior marriage coaching. And remember to join the Catholic Alpha Radical Live podcast as a caller or listener every Tuesday through Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. To join as a caller, dial area code 313RADICAL. To join as a listener or view the live stream, visit the Catholic Alpha Radical Live Facebook page or visit catholicalpha.com for Catholic marriage help that actually works. Bang!